I want to think for a minute about things that are good enough. Um, so I'll ask this question and encourage you, uh, just looking over the names of, of people online, really thankful for uh, those who have joined online as well as in the room. Um, so feel free to chat online. I don't think I'll be able to hear you, uh, but we would love to, to get your thoughts too and in the room. So when is good enough good enough? Or maybe it's even better than super good. When is good enough really good enough? What are some ideas? students write this to meet the minimum requirements. Ah, yes. So sometimes students do good enough, and it is just good enough, right? Yep, just meet the requirements. Yeah, what are other ideas? Yeah. Better than good enough means not done. Ah, yes. So sometimes better than good enough means we don't even get it done. We So the alternative to good enough is nothing at all. So Like me going to the gym. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's right. Exercise. It's it's better to do a little bit, and it's good enough than nothing at all. That's good. What was that? McDonald's coffee. McDonald's coffee. <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's better than nothing at all. What was that? Homework. Homework. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we just say, "Let's get it." It's good enough. Yep. Cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Laundering, yeah, there's some things you don't have to be the best launderer in the world. It's not necessary. Well, some people think it's, but good enough is okay. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I think sometimes cleaning, you know, good enough is good enough. Um, all sorts of things, we could have different standards in that. But how about when might good enough not actually be good enough? We say, well, that's good enough. And it's like, well, maybe not. I'll give you an example. Brain surgery. <laughs> yeah. How did it go? Well, good enough. <laughs> Let me just say, if your surgeon says that, I think it's time to find a different brain surgeon. <laughs> says good enough will do. Right? Any other ideas? When is good enough? Just really not. What was that? Yeah, manufacturing microchips. Yeah, that has just got to be perfect for this to work. On the pilot. On the pilot. That's right. How was the flight? Ah, good enough. <laughs> Homework. Okay. Sometimes we might hear that, don't we? Yeah, a little bit more than just barely good enough. Diffusing a bomb. Diffusing a bomb. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and something that, that fits our world today is saying justice. We say, oh, good enough. We say, no, not Good enough. Uh, the prophet Malachi spoke on behalf of God and said, your good enough is not good enough. He was, this is a message to the priests. And God says, it is you priests who show contempt for my name, who treat it as not being valuable. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contempt- contemptible when you offer blind animals for sacrifice. Is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. The prophet said, you're treating God as though anything you happen to offer as a sacrifice is good enough. And if it happens to be one that I don't really want, (laughs) you know, Somebody needs some clothing and you look through your closet and you think, well, I don't like these things anyway, so I'll sacrifice and give them what I don't care about, right? God says, don't give me gifts like that. 
He says, this is offensive when you say the gift to God is, eh, it's good enough. So I want to wrestle with this for a little bit today. And, and the prayer is that God would raise our expectations for his glory in every part of his creation. And not just say, well, it's good enough that there are some people who worship in lots of places. That God would raise our expectations for his glory. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful that we can come to you with heavy hearts. In times when we see your goodness, you welcome us to come as we are. And yet, you say that sometimes we come without valuing you. That we come and just figure it's good enough. So Father, I ask that you would raise our expectations for your glory. That, that you would cause us to burn with the desire that you would be honored in every place of creation. That any place where you are not worshipped would be troubling to us. Cause us to burn with a passion for your glory. That people would know you and your goodness and would find hope through our Savior Jesus Christ. Would you do that work, please, today? Thank you that you will, by your power, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just uh, set this in context for us as a church. In January, we've been going through uh, a series looking at discipleship. Um, And uh, this idea that being a disciple, being a learner of Jesus Christ, someone who confesses, who genuinely and fully declares these five things. First of all, God is my Father. And as we saw, God as our Father lovingly disciplines us. He says, I want your growth. I want you to find the joy of being more like me. And, and so he disciplines us in great love. It's somebody who confesses, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And Jesus said, as I have been sent into the world, I'm sending you. I've given you a task, a calling, and this calling will give you peace. It's someone who confesses the Holy Spirit is God's presence and power in me. That, that God says, I will be with you and I will transform you. I will enable you to do what you can't do on your own to fulfill this calling I've given you. Then as we looked at last week, uh, it's somebody who confesses that I am in relationship, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together with all God's people. And not just the small group that I find easier to get along with, but with all God's people, that we join together and say, even with our challenges and difficulties, if they're God's people, I will stand with them. And it's a challenge. And yet, this is a declaration of Jesus' prayer for us. And then the statement that it's people who confess that our calling is to grow God's kingdom in all creation. And that's our focus today, is looking at this vision to grow God's kingdom throughout all creation. Uh, So the title today is Multiplying Praise. We'll talk a bit about uh, this drawing in a little bit. And yes, it is related to food, and you'll probably start smelling some stuff in a little bit. So just have to forgive me for adding to the torment of of smelling and waiting. But uh, we're in Psalm 67. Uh, We've been looking at passages in John, but uh, just a powerful psalm that's that's gotten my attention is looking at these things. And so I encourage you to have that uh, in front of you. it's uh, one of the things that I long for is that in whatever time I, uh, opportunities I have to speak, I long that you don't walk out and say, well, I know what Pastor John thinks. What I long for you to say 
is I see what God has said. And that's what I long for. And that's why having your Bible out, having the text in front of you, it's a part of your more direct interaction, even as I am kind of like a tour guide. And I long to walk through the museum and say, can you see the beauty of this? And, and to look at this together. And so I encourage you to do that in their handouts as well in the link online. Very clearly, the psalmist, who was a poet, who worked very hard in thinking, what shall I say and how shall I say it, had in mind two famous passages from the Old Testament. One is Numbers 6. This is the great blessing of the priest. And here's what it says. The priests are to say to the people, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And he says, the priests are to say this. And when the priests say this, God will do it. And, and a couple of things that stand out. One is that, that the blessings that we need the most only come from God. He says, the Lord bless you. Not may good government bless you. Right? And may really good friends bless you. And those are good things. <laughs> but he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. And it expresses the idea that God wants to bless us. He wants uh, he wants this blessing, this, this work of God. And he wants to give us his good gifts. So that's number six, this, this blessing of the priest. Uh, in, um, in Genesis, then we have this great covenant of God with, with Abram. And God said to Abram, before it was the priest speaking, now it's God speaking. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that last phrase stands out here. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This adds an important thing that we didn't see in Aaron's blessing, in the priest's blessing. The priest said, the Lord bless you and and God will bless. But here he says, God's plan. I will bless you so that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so here God's blessing had a purpose. And that purpose was to bring blessings to others. And so now we come to Psalm 67, and you'll just see the echoes of these things come through in in this psalm. I'm going to read through it first, or just seven verses, and then come back and see a few things in it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that... All the ends of the earth will fear him. This is God's word. Let's go back and just look at a few things in here. First of all, remember who was was the speaker in in Aaron's blessing? Somebody shouted out. Who was the speaker? The priests. Great. And then in, in God's covenant with Abraham, who was the speaker? God. And so now who's the speaker? The people. God bless us. <laughs> Somehow the others feel more spiritual, don't they? <laughs> but here, God gives us this voice that says, may God be gracious to us. Would you bless us? He says, come with this prayer. Again, it's looking to God saying, God, would you 
bless us. And then something I think is just so interesting that it's it's harder for me in uh, in seeing this. Other languages make it clear. Uh, this first verse, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. The way I read it in English can feel like it's just an expression that it would be pretty nice if this happened. Do you realize these are commands? These are commands saying, God, here's what you're supposed to be doing now. God is to be gracious to us. It's not just a a, a thought that says, wouldn't it be nice if? This is saying, God, here's your task. Your task is to bless us. And And he has these three commands. God, be gracious to us, bless us, make your face shine on us. And it is really a bold expression to say, God, we want to be blessed by you. (laughs) Would you do that? And then it obviously echoes, so that, so that, and this, this powerful expression, bless us, so that your salvation would be among all nations. So that peoples of all places would know your salvation, would know your goodness, and, and again, may all the peoples praise you. And you see verse 5 is identical to verse 3. May all the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you, O oh God. That this purpose, the psalmist says, bless us, God, with this purpose to bring salvation among all peoples. Would you do that, God? Bless us so that peoples of all nations would know your salvation, would know your goodness, and that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. Right? The purpose is to bring salvation and joy to all nations. You know the story of Jonah and his attitude about the people he was sent to? This is not exactly Jonah. <laughs> Jonah says, I don't want them to experience your goodness because they're my enemies. But this psalm expresses, God, would you bless us so that all the peoples would find joy in you? He goes on and says again, may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. And the land yields its harvest. And I just want to highlight that word for a second because this is written by people who lived in a society where the harvest was always a great question. There are so many things that could go wrong so that we would not have any uh, any harvest. We wouldn't have the, the rain at the right time. The, the There would be a storm at the wrong time that that the enemies would come at the wrong time. There's so many things. And so they say, when we have a harvest, that's a sign that God is good. And I think they expressed it this way, and it's helpful for us to say that this is just a stand-in. It's something that represents all the ways that God blesses. That God is the God of the harvest, but he's also the, the, the God who gives a future generation, the God who gives peace, the, the God who rescues from trouble. And the psalm ends again with his prayer so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. So what the psalm does is it seeks God's blessing so that all peoples will worship him. God, would you bless us so that everybody everywhere would find joy in you? And I'm convinced it, it expresses this blessing of God that includes the physical and the material. Give us harvest. Give us food that we need. Give us healing. Give us rescue. And also God's blessing involves the emotional and relational and spiritual, all the aspects of how God blesses us and we need his help. So the question is, how does that work? How is it that God blesses this group of people and then all of a sudden everybody is finding joy in God? And some have suggested, well, it raises a a sense of jealousy by people 
They say, wow, there's a group of people that they have great blessings. We'd like to have what they have. And there's some truth in that. Right? God said the unity of the church should show that God is at work when the world does not practice unity. The world doesn't see it. And, and so the world should say, look, there's something different there. And that's good. I want to push a different direction today. And that's related to Jesus' words in Matthew 10. He sent out his uh, disciples to spread good news about him. Here's what he said. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. He said, here's the message. Say the kingdom of heaven is here. It's near, it's close. And now you can see it, you can experience it. And then Jesus says, what you have freely received, freely give. See, what Jesus gave them, they were to give to others. Right? They experienced healing. They experienced help and hope. And they were given an ability to bring more healing and hope. What Jesus gave them, they were to give to others. Freely you've received, he says, now give to others. And, and this, uh, it's expressed in head, heart, and hands. Give them a message. Tell them things. And then also, heal the sick. Raise the dead. <laughs> right? That, that touches the whole of who we are. Raise those who are dead, he says. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out demons. Bring head, heart, and hands blessings of God. The, the physical, the material, the emotional, relational, the spiritual, all these things. He says, when the kingdom of heaven is nearby, people should just experience so much goodness and all sorts of different things. They should see this and say, wow, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said to them, freely you've received, freely give. In contrast, uh, Jesus on multiple occasions told stories about managers that he called as evil people. And these are the ones who kept for themselves the blessings that were meant to be given to others. That these are shepherds who didn't take care of the sheep Shepherds who use the resources to serve themselves, to take care of themselves. And Jesus says, this is evil. If you're a manager of a house, your job is to take the resources of the house to meet the needs of the house. And Jesus said, if you're somebody who says, well, it's going to be a while before the owner gets back, so I'm going to have a party with my friends and deal with those people later. And Jesus says, this is evil. So I think this psalm expresses this idea so clearly, we should seek God's blessing so that all the ends of the earth would know the glory of God, would joy, have joy in the glory of God, that, that all Jesus' people are to bless others with the blessings he's given us so that he is praised. We should take what he's given us, Jesus said, and freely give as you freely receive so that people would know my salvation. And the psalm says, and pray for it to grow. Pray for it more and more. Say, God, give us more blessings. Not so that we can have a bigger party, but so that we can be a part of spreading your word more, of spreading your blessings more. Bless us so that we can be a part of this work that you are doing. And I'm convinced that Jesus meant bless people with head, heart, and hands blessings. And this is what Jesus was like. Wherever he went, he talked, he taught, he, he addressed people's heads, he addressed their hearts, and he addressed their, their bodies. He, he, he gave physical healing, he met physical needs. He says, what you've seen me do, I want you doing that too. 
Because I want people to know that God is the source of joy and of great blessing. And certainly foremost of that is new life in Jesus that he offered to people and he gave through his death. So here's a drawing from Karen. and I don't know if you can see what these, these folks are doing. Uh, standing in line to get some food. And behind the scenes, we have a couple of different people. And so here's behind the scenes. This is one person. <laughs> says, wow, there's a lot of food here. I'm really going to enjoy this. And this is somebody who's having a feast, right? And, and this is really bad, right? When, when there are people saying, we are waiting for food, and somebody says, oh, but, you know, I've got a lot. I don't know about you, but I have a lot. Years ago, Karen um, was on a, a project uh, with crew and, and a great learning experience. They had a big meal in a big house and, and they had different people sit in different rooms in the house. And they said, you know, your job is to stay in your room and we'll take care of you. And Karen happened to be in a room where they really took care of them. Lots of good food came. It took a long time for them to realize that there were some rooms in the house they didn't give them any food at all. And so other people are saying, what is this meal that we're supposed to have? And they didn't have anything. And yet the people who sat in the room with a bunch thought, wow, this is a great meal. I hope everybody's really enjoying theirs because ours is sure good. <laughs> and, and the startling moment that comes, it says, wait a minute, maybe we're supposed to use some of what we have to find people who don't have as much and to share with them. And so then this is another model is that somebody says, hey, I, I, I have something I can bring. Right? And this is certainly better. And yet I think what the psalmist says is that this is what we're looking for. They say, God, would you bless us with more so that we can give more? Would you bless us with more so that we can be a part of your blessings coming to people, your salvation coming to people? And, and so this is the best. right? And so the challenge when we go back to the, the people sitting at the table saying, well, this is good for us, this is where in Ezekiel, we're told that God will hold accountable the shepherds who cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Right? And God will hold them accountable. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be expected. So those who get more have to answer for having more. And so then it is better when people say, okay, you know, I can give. But the psalm expresses saying, God, would you bless us? Would you give to us so that we have more to share, that we can be more a part of the work that you are doing? And so the psalm expresses this idea that we should pray, that we can share more and more of God's blessing so that more and more people will know God's Savior. Bless us, Lord, the psalmist said, so that all the ends of the earth would know your salvation and would find joy in you. And so then Jesus echoes that and says that, that all his people are to bless others with the blessings he has given, freely giving as we have freely received, so that he is praised more and more. And it's so clear, in a week like this, in a time like this, we live in a world desperately in need of God's blessings, desperately in need of knowing a God who is so different from what we see in the world, whose authority is different than human authority, whose healing is different than human healing, And I love the vision that God wants to use his people to share his goodness everywhere as it is needed for the praise of his glory. Because you see, here's what God could do. 
He could just meet everybody's needs. He could just say, I'll make sure everybody's got what they need. But he says, no, actually, I'd like to use you to be a part of that. He gave the ability to heal to some and said, now you go out and do it. God gives unequally. He's a God who wants everybody to know his salvation, but he doesn't give everybody equal access to it. And he says, if you've got it, well, I want you to be a part of helping others to know it. So the application in this, first of all, is to bless others with the blessings God has given us. To say, when God blesses, as in the promise to uh, to Abraham, he says, I'll bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And, and we should do this in hands. And it's a delight to watch people do this. Right? There are people who are just really good at meeting practical needs, at fixing things, at at having the strength to get stuff done, at organizing things, right? The hands, the practical needs. And, and so, uh, yeah, I was just in a car recently watching the car in front of me, seeing somebody on the street corner and down goes the window and out comes a care package. I think, what a beautiful thing, right? Taking action to say there are needs and I could do something to meet this. Some of us are really able to meet needs with our thinking, with understanding, with wisdom, with problem solving, with explaining things, a powerful thing. And and we should be blessing others. If God has blessed us in that way, we should be a part of blessing people with that. And we're to bless people in our hearts, right? With emotional and relational blessings. That, that when God blesses us with peace, we should share peace, right? If there's peace in our hearts and there's not peace in the world, we should be a source of that peace spilling over. Not the simplistic piece that says, don't worry, be happy. It's the deep piece that says we worship a God who will one day make everything right. And we trust him for that. We're to bring comfort and forgiveness and, and the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, and peace. These could be things that when God gives them to us, he says, now I want you to share it. I want you to take it around. And of course, all of these things have at their root the greatest gift of new life in Jesus Christ. We are to bless others with the blessings God has given. So what God has given us and the abilities he has given, we should give and use freely for his praise. We should seek to bless others with the blessing God has given us. And then clearly the call is to do it so that he is praised. Right? Not so that people say, wow, you've got a lot to give and thank you so much. We say God is the source of this gift. Right, so when people experience blessings from God through God's people, so his goodness is known, it brings God praise. And, and, and so we need to be intentional about this, to say Jesus is the reason and the power. He's what's behind this, right? to point to him in, in good and appropriate ways. So I love this expression I found this week in looking at these things. There's no insignificant child of God. Right, Because every person in Christ is a player in a grand story. And here's the grand story that stretches far beyond themselves. Right, God is doing something in all of creation, and every child of God has a part to play in it. And here's what God is doing. To bring the blessings from God to all peoples, so his praise will ring out everywhere. This is God's plan. God's plan is that all the ends of the earth would know the goodness of God, the glory of God would see in Jesus Christ this amazing love and sacrifice of God to give us life. And every person in Christ is a player in this great story, all in our own ways. And the places where God has put us, in the things that God has blessed us with, to be a part of that. And so we're to bless others with the blessing God has given us so that he is praised. 
And then as the psalm says, more and more. So Romans 12, uh, this great expression, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't be lacking in zeal, uh, to be zealous, to be passionate, to say, I long for the work of God. Never uh, keep your spiritual fervor. And this literally comes from an idea of boiling over, right? We should be boiling over with a passion for God's glory to say, oh, that more people would know this God. It's so much fun to be around people who love something and just can't wait to invite other people into it. You ask them a question and they light up and say, oh, oh, I just love this stuff. This is so cool, right? All sorts of different things. And it's great when people are passionate about it. God's people should light up when we think about the possibility of others knowing the glory of God. To have a passion to say, God is so good. Oh, I want you to see. Yeah, when we were first in uh, Switzerland, when, when I taught there for a while, we do this all the time. Oh, quick, Karen, get up. You're going to come look out the window and see the Alps, right? I didn't want to just sit there and be alone. Say, you got to come see it. And we'd say, oh, there's this great place to hike. Somebody would visit us. Say, there's this great place to hike to see something amazing because the enjoyment grew with each extra person who came. And that should be our passion to say our enjoyment of God's glory grows with each extra person who gets the chance to see this, to taste this. And in our love for people, the reality is that nothing else is as good as God for blessing and joy. Nothing else matches God. So we should be thrilled when there's an opportunity to point to him. And so as the psalmist says, ask for more blessings. Ask for more ability and strength and finances and skill and knowledge and wisdom and opportunity so that we get the joy of seeing more and more people, seeing the glory of God and finding joy in him. So we sang today, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And, and the reality is Jesus deserves the praise of every heart. He deserves this. He is worthy of every last human being saying you were God and you were good and I worship you. He deserves that. His salvation is enough for every single person. He paid sufficient price to cover everybody. He is worthy of it all. And the amazing thing is that every heart can find joy and life and peace in him like nothing else. He is worthy of it all. And so we long for more and more people to see his goodness, his glory, and to taste in that. Now, I do want to clarify something. A uh, couple of things I don't mean and something I do mean. So I don't mean that bigger ministries or churches are better, right? Oh, our goal is to be really big, right? That's not at all what I'm saying. It's saying that we want the glory of God to be known by as many people as possible. And whatever he would choose to do through us, we would be thrilled. It's not that we would be bigger, but that his fame would be bigger. So the joy comes not in what happens here as much as it is what happens among all God's people. And so I don't mean it has anything to do with competition or pride or jealousy. None of those things are okay. I've told you before, James 3.16 is a verse that's really challenged me. Where there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be disorder in every evil practice. And I wish I could say that pastors are not susceptible 
to jealousy and selfish ambition. The pastors are no different than that, right? This is a scary thing to say where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every evil practice. So I'm not at all saying competition or pride or jealousy have any place in any of this. If it's ever about our glory, it's evil. It has to be about the glory of God. And we long for that. And I don't mean it's okay to ignore wisdom and discretion and just say, oh, let's just agree to do everything. Let's just do everything. And it's not wise. Right? We need to have discretion. We need to be careful in the things that we choose to do. And yet our heart is, God, as much as you would open the door for us to do, we long to do it for your glory. And so instead of those things, I mean that our heart should be expressing with the psalmist that all the ends of the earth will fear and worship God. Would you use us, God, to do that? Would you bring that about however you choose, as much as you're willing to? And then we rejoice when God uses other people to do it too. <laughs> right? And this, I, I, I confess, sometimes I struggle with this. And I, 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 I hear about another ministry and people tell me, oh, this is just this great thing. Oh, I just wish I could be there. And, and there's a part of me that says, jealousy, selfish ambition. Oh, so ugly, so ugly. Why don't I say, thanks be to God that your name is known. And that's the heart that we long to have. And we would love to be a part of God doing this work. So we say, God, as much as you're willing, would you bless us so that we could be a blessing to others that they would know our God? See, all of Jesus' people are to bless others with the blessings he's given us, head, heart, and hands, so that he is praised more and more. When is good enough? Good enough? Well, it's not good enough when it comes to knowing God's love and glory. Say moderation in all things. So let's not get too passionate about this. You know, you still have to live a life. You still have to make sure the car still works and you take, you do your maintenance things, right? As though there's a competition. So let's just fit God in and not be overwhelmed with it. We cannot have too much of the love and glory of God. And to have that shape all the rest that we do. And we long for every person to know him fully. And so then, as you think about your own place, you think, God, what have you given me? Where have you allowed me to have a blessing from you? And is there a way that you could use that to bless others so that they would know you? And it should be a heart of all God's people. It's different for each one of us. Some of us seem to have a lot of options there and some seem to have just one, maybe, and they're not really sure how it's going to work out. And yet I'm convinced God has gifted all of us, given all of us blessings for his glory so that we would share it with others, that others would be blessed because of his presence in us. And we should long for this, that people would see our God and as they come and see our God, our joy would increase because they see the joy as well. And so it's a hurt as a church. Say, God, whatever you choose to do, would you use us to be a part of people seeing you more clearly? So I, I, I'm going to uh, just read through the psalm one more time and then just allow for a time of prayer for you to listen to God and to pray. And I encourage you to express this as a prayer to God, to say, would you bless us that all the ends of the earth would know your glory? Psalm 67 says, 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. In silence, let's take a minute to pray and to listen. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May all the peoples of all the nations see your glory to know the good news of the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, of your care and your blessing for the whole of who we are. We ask that your name would be honored, that all the ends of the earth would know that people in our families, in our neighborhoods, people we work next to and study next to, that the people we encounter, people that we choose to meet, we pray that they would be blessed by you, that they would see your glory and rejoice in your salvation. So Father, would you bless us? Would you bless us as individuals and together, not for our good, but for your glory and for our joy? as you are praised. In Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen.